All right, podcast listeners, I'm back. I realize I've been gone for a while. You haven't had a new episode of On the Record Online for months now. But there's a good reason why I haven't been podcasting, and you're going to find out what that is in this simulcast of the new podcast by Jay Bear uh, and Eric Boggs, Social Media Pros. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen of the internet, welcome to the Social Pros Podcast. Where we focus on real people doing real work in social media. With your host, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, and special contributor, Eric Boggs from Argyle Social. Ready? 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 Let's do the work. Hey, everybody, and we're back with another episode of Social Pros. Shining the light on real people doing real work in social media. I am Jay Bear, joined as always by social media marketing software company genius founder, president, <laughs> and man among boys. Live from the woods of North Carolina, Mr. Eric Boggs. These introductions keep getting better and better, Jay. And longer. <laughs> the next time I'm going to do a 20-minute introduction and a seven-minute show. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. How are you, my friend? Doing just great. What's new? Oh, man, it's been a crazy week uh, in the interwebs. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second. Let's take a, a real quick minute to acknowledge our sponsors. In addition to Eric's company, Argyle Social, who we use for all of our uh, social media content missives. Also, our friends at Infusionsoft, fantastic email CRM company who we use for all of our uh, emailings. Uh, our buddy Jim Cookrell at digitalbooklaunch.com, who is our erstwhile guest host, and the good folks at JanRain who do all kinds of amazing social sign-in and matching up your database to real people in social media, solving common problems, those folks at JanRain. We today have ourselves quite a show, quite a show, Eric Boggs. We have a professional on the show today. We actually have somebody who actually knows something about podcasting. <laughs> and and other stuff, but podcasting in particular, uh, Mr. Eric Schwartzman will be joining us here on the program in a minute. Uh, Eric uh, handles the On the Record podcast and has like a, episode 300 or some crazy thing like that. Uh, and Eric is also the founder of iPressroom uh, from back in the day. That's where I first met Eric when he was running that company. Co-author of the fantastic book, Social Marketing to the Business Customer uh, with Paul Gillen. And we're going to talk to Eric specifically today about a really interesting series of uh, web-based training programs he has now about social media, social media boot camp, if you will. Yep. So we'll do that in a second. And it's bonus extra Eric also in this podcast. Two Eric's, one J. It is a J sandwich. <laughs> So crazy week uh, in social media and a lot of things potentially to talk about. But the one I wanted to talk about, especially because you're on the show, is what is the deal with Twitter? Is this 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 crazy API pronouncement and you must make everything look the way we make it look? And if you don't want to do it the way we want to do it, we're going to get, you know, revoke your access. And that for somebody in your line of work. Uh, feels to me like a shot across the bow. How did that? Uh, how did that go over in the halls of Argyle Social? 
Uh, it, you actually uh, reminded me that I was supposed to write a blog post about this earlier today. It's on, it's on my to-do list, and obviously now you can just link to the podcast transcript. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now I haven't I haven't done it, and thank you for reminding me. Um, we actually saw it as a good thing. Uh, oddly enough, if you read through that whole uh, massive post from the the Twitter API guys, they had a quadrant at the bottom of the post that basically, you know, I think they divided the world and engagement and analytics and then business and consumer and they basically called out you know their four quadrants one of them is um sort of consumer engagement apps another is sort of consumer influence analytics uh obviously clout being the only thing in that quadrant uh and then there's business engagement and management and business analytics and they basically said look if you're in the consumer engagement quadrant um you know, you might want to think about starting another company. Uh, and that that type of clarity from Twitter uh, is welcome to us. Uh, one, because Argyle is not in that quadrant. We're firmly nestled in the business analytics and business engagement side of the world, along with quite a few competitors. And and getting getting sort of clarity and a sense of roadmap from Twitter is actually good. Uh, in terms of all the display guidelines, that's that's peanuts that's that's pc cake stuff and it's and that is all kind of driven by twitter's ad model and trying to protect page views and consumer experience so you know i overall i thought it was uh welcome uh, actually you know there are obviously big chunks of the market whose businesses will need to change in a really big way and some some of whom uh whose businesses will you know probably really suffer but you know, Twitter's got to do what Twitter's got to do, and and I, I I thought the the announcement was was necessary, and I thought they handled it pretty well. Very interesting. That's not precisely what I thought you would say. Uh, I guess because you're not Echo Phone or somebody who they almost you know, and did call out by name and say, guess what, we're going to shut you down. Yeah. Um, and I certainly understand the perspective of, hey, you know what, it's our data and we're going to do what we need to do to protect our interests. I understand that. But it does seem that it is quite an evolution um, of of their general stance toward open development because yep. it, it is no longer open. And, and maybe that's um, an, an inexorable result of, of, you know, stakes getting higher. Yeah, well, it's definitely... I think that Twitter is still a fan of open development, just not open development that impinges upon their core revenue model which is consumer experience enhanced with uh, you know, advertisements and, and social ads. And Echo Phone and these third-party consumer applications will infringe, upon Twitter, uh, will infringe upon Twitter's ability to service ads. And it pretty much comes down to that. Uh, and ultimately, I think it'll make for a better Twitter experience for the end user, um, for, for Twitter to own all these bits and pieces. And it sucks, man. It really does. Like, uh, for the, for Echo Phone and all these other third party products that are basically going to get wiped off the face of the earth. Um, you know, I mean, look, look at how Pinterest has gone about this. Pinterest has purposefully not published an API precisely because they don't want to have Twitter's problems. Right. Right. Um, and yep. that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's been confirmed, but that's pretty much the, the confirmed rumor is that that is one of the reasons Pinterest has not taken this uh, uh, open developer uh, strategy that Twitter did, is that they see the, all the problems that it's caused. And it, it sucks. And, and you know, I'm, I'm being really uh, probably overly positive because, you know, it gives me clarity and peace of mind because there was always this threat of, oh, my God, what's Twitter going to do? Um, and we know folks there. We're, we're pretty cozy with a, with a number of folks on the biz dev team and the API team. But 
um, you know, to get clarity in terms of what we're building and how it fits into Twitter's long-term strategy, uh, you know, it's a good thing. It's interesting to hear that, that you were at some level apprehensive about that. I guess it, it kind of reinforces something that I say to clients all the time, which is you always have to be a little bit aware that you are building your house on rented land. Yeah. Whether whether that's in your case more of a, a behind the scenes API or whether you're saying, look, we're going to put all of our social media eggs in a Facebook basket. Um, you you don't own Facebook far, far from it. Uh, and they could change the rules tomorrow. That that theory was um, uh, very much codified for me today when I got a letter from my attorney with an update on my lawsuit uh, that I have for a condo I bought in Mexico that was never built. So you know what's a super, super fun um, thing to do? A lawsuit over real estate in Mexico. <laughs> is that like a land war in Asia? It is, it is really, really, really something. Oh, gosh. So, I'm sorry to hear that. That yeah. sounds like not much fun. It'll be one of the other chapters in uh, someday when I write my memoirs. It will be the... The one, the one chapter written in Spanish. <laughs> the Mexican condo incident. <laughs> exactly. So, Mr. Boggs, uh, speaking of Twitter, do you have for us a groundbreaking, earth-shattering, notable, tweetable, social media stat of the week? Oh, unfortunately, no, but I do have an interesting stat that we can talk about. Um, this uh, stat comes from... I'm reading through the email again now. Uh, it's from High Beam Research, which does, provides a monthly social media index. Um, they did uh, some uh, some research around uh, media attention and visibility for social media platforms. So obviously the the key players, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and MySpace um, made it onto to the list of, of uh, networks that they researched. But the big takeaway is that the July 2012 media attention for these key social media platforms, Twitter... 56%, Facebook, 40%, which is fascinating because Facebook is much, much bigger than Twitter, yet Twitter continues to get more of the mainstream media type of attention. So uh, so according to our friend Tom Webster from Edison Research uh, and my partner in The Social Habit, Twitter is used by 10% of Americans, but it comprises 56% of the media attention. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, Yes. I blame Chad Ochocinco for that, among, <laughs> among other people. <laughs> well, that, you know, that, is, that is a Kardashian of, of, uh, of social media. And, and Facebook was, what, 40%? Yeah, less than 40%. 54% of Americans are on Facebook, but it's 40% of the media attention. Even, and that's with an IPO, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, this was July. So this would have, uh, obviously, after the IPO, when Facebook is all pretty much anybody wants to talk about in the finance news. Yeah, and it, I've noticed it more and more. The hash, like Twitter hashtags, are everywhere. Uh, every TV show, every it's crazy. I was watching, uh, I was watching Discovery Channel over the weekend and uh, checking out the MythBusters special Shark Week episode. And about every fifteen seconds, they would overlay a tweet on the broadcast, and it was some, you know, it was the most inane. Like, I sure am glad I'm not a shark because that would suck. Signed, you know, at idiot boy, yeah. you know, whatever. And I'm like, seriously, this is the talk radioization of of television, right? We're just going to pull random tweets and put it on the show. So it's just it's insipid and ridiculous. Yeah, that. That has a ways to go. I think that there there is a model for hive mind 
type commentary on live television. But yeah, that kind of stuff is just stupid and really annoying. And we we know we need to do a social TV episode where we talk about this. I, I am a doubter in the uh, impact of of social TV, and I know we've mentioned that before, but we should have a show about that sometime. That would be interesting. Um, I don't know who we could get as a guest, but I. So I, I let's let's dig in on this a little bit. I think social TV is amazing, but not with the entirety of Twitter. When I'm watching a Carolina basketball game. There is nothing more enjoyable than being in a room with other Carolina basketball fans. And, you know, sometimes I'm at home and I'll have a couple friends over. Sometimes I'll go to a bar. But when I'm watching it by myself, uh, I would love to be on Twitter with a sort of narrow group of people chattering about this stuff. Interesting. Maybe it can be like a debate. We can hire a moderator and you and I can debate. Let's do that. I like it. I like it. You know who we could have as a moderator? Is today's Eric, is today's guest Eric Schwartzman? What a coincidence! Eric Schwartzman, podcasting impresario, book author, gadfly, man about town, raconteur. Thank you for being on Social Pros, Eric. Great to see you. Hey, thanks for having me. So, how's the book going? It's been a little while since it came out. Loved it, by the way. Um, uh, you guys did some guest posts for me on Convince to Convert, and really, really a big fan of the book. I know the initial uh, hullabaloo has died down, but how's that? Uh, how's that working out for you? Well, uh, you know, we we hit our targets on the first printing, and we're in our second printing now, and uh, it's been exciting, you know, because when you when you have a book, a, a, as you know, you know, it gets out. Uh, it's in airport bookstores, and you wind up getting calls from people from far, you know, uh, edges of the earth who who want to meet you and talk to you. And I'm actually um, getting ready to go to Manila to consult with a client who picked up my book from an airport bookstore. So, uh, you know, I'm I feel blessed to have been invited by by Paul to write the book, and uh, it was a great experience. Fantastic. Did you do one of the airport bookstore deals where that you, you know sort of uh, pay them for shelf space and that whole underbelly? You know, we did not. Uh, but uh, our publisher did have distribution in the bookstores and we were able to get in there. Nice. That's strong. That's strong. My advice for Manila is bring an umbrella. So I'm told. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little wet there now. Yeah. Be careful. So tell me about this this new social media boot camp that you're working on it's with uh, it's with udemy is that right right well udemy is a new uh social network for online training so you can basically create your content upload it to udemy they have the e-commerce they have the uh customer service and uh you know you can slice up your content uh into bite-sized chunks uh, which, you know, is one of the disadvantages of real-world training is that people have to sit through stuff that's not of interest to them to get to the nuggets that are. And one of the advantages of online training is they can just sort of laser in right to what's interesting to them and not have to sit through the stuff that they know already. But, uh, yeah, Udemy is um, uh, a new site that's up. It's udemy.com, and uh, they have uh, investment from a number of different VCs. They actually put out a press release earlier this year uh, about uh, what some of the trainers on the site are earning. And it seems to be going quite well. So I made a pretty big investment and put up 10 different classes, uh, six of which comprise the social media boot camp, but there are four beyond that. 
And so you did all the content production yourself. You, you upload it to them and they may advise you on best practices, but, but they're not helping you make the materials. That's, that's your side of the equation. That's correct. Actually, you know, I, I rented a stage. I brought in a crew. Uh, you know, I, I, I did the whole thing soup to nuts. And uh, in addition to the live action, because if you look at best practices for online video training, uh, if you see somebody on screen, it increases retention. Um, we, we did that. We also did screencasts, and then we also did phone casts as well, so screen captures of mobile apps. Uh, we did motion backgrounds uh, for to increase retention that way, kind of like you see on the news, uh, to keep you awake. And uh, it's exciting, man. I mean, we just got them up. The, the uh, last class got up on Friday of last week, and it's starting to take off. People are starting to buy the courses. So it's exciting because, you know, like you, Jay, I've been you know, flying around the world and doing trainings for the privileged few that can afford it. And, you know, I get emails, which I'm sure you do, uh, and probably you, Eric, too. You get emails from people who want help, but they don't have any budget and they don't have the resources. You know, they want the information. They're really entitled to it, but they just, they can't figure out a way to fly to a city and stay to a hotel and go to a training or maybe bring somebody, you know, of your caliber or my caliber in to do a training. And I think, you know, that is sort of, you know, the other 99% of the business world. And, um, you know, I, like you guys, I find myself, you know, at barbecues explaining to people what Twitter is and ad nauseum. I mean, it's, it's not really an enjoyable conversation to have, but the truth is until the digital IQ of the rest of the world is at the level of where you guys are, you know, it, social media doesn't really work because each time you try to roll out a program that is in the best interest of an organization, you know, the digital gate, the, the, the analog gatekeepers, I should say, are sort of blocking your every move because yeah, it becomes lowest common denominator Yeah, because of digital illiteracy in the boardroom. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many examples of this, you know, just ad nauseum, you know, the Olympics rule 40. I mean, if that's not the most yeah. classic example of digital literacy in the modern day, I don't know what is. Yeah. So your new thing is you're just taking business cards to barbecues and be like, you know what? I'm showing you the hand. You need to go buy this course. <laughs> well, the truth is yesterday I was at my brother's house at a barbecue and I was just giving away free classes to all my cousins and everything. So. <laughs> there you go. Very <laughs> nice. Case, I wasn't, wasn't handing out any business cards. Do you sell it as a, as a package of, of six or is it uh, a la carte per class? So uh, it's a la carte per class, and the boot camp is available uh, for one price as well. Each course is $99. There are 10 different courses. And then the six courses which comprise the social media boot camp are available at half price for $299. And they're available at socialmediabootcamp.com. Are there uh, quizzes and questions and some sort of information exchange built into that, or, or is it more of a one-way street? So great question. So Udemy did not opt to do assessment or certification as part of their platform. At the same time, I am working with other companies and creating trainings that they'll host internally. And those are being done with assessment slides and then some sort of certification because I think, you know, Dell sort of led the way on this, Richard Binhammer um, mm -hmm. and his group. The idea that everybody in the organization should be able to use social makes sense, but how do you qualify people so they're ready to do that? Um, you know, at Dell, there's a curriculum and you can qualify. And once you're qualified, you can use social media professionally on behalf of your job, whether or not you're in marketing or, or PR or not. Um, 
and, and, and the same thing I think is true at, at most companies that sort of get this stuff. It's not really about, you know, what the PR guy says on Twitter. It's about what the company says or what the community says. So um, I think the concept of using some sort of a training curriculum makes a lot of sense. But how do you do it for a call center or for like, you know, a huge company where they're not going to send everyone to a conference center or a hotel? Uh, I think, you know, online training is going to be the future of that because I, I don't think the ROI is there for face-to-face adult learning. And, and, and this, the, the cost is just so bloated to send people to, you know, a hotel conference center. Um, I, I, I think, you know, um, there was actually a Pew report about online learning that came out last week uh, and they interviewed Jarvis and a bunch of other guys. And one of the quotes that came out of it that stood out for me was, you know, education is a bubble it's, and schools is, is the next bubble of power. Interesting. Yeah, I think it could, it's entirely possible. Well, it's, it's, you, you talk about online education as the next wave in sort of social training and business training. My alma mater, UNC Keenan Flagler, where I went to business school, made really big waves with their alumni community and the UNC community as a whole by being the first sort of, you know, blue blood top 20 business school to launch an online MBA. Uh, that it's called MBA at UNC. They're powering it through a service called Tutor, the number two, T-O-R. And I think it's brilliant. I'm really proud of the school and I think it's going to sort of pave the way um, for the program. And I think a ton of other schools are going to follow, but it's been amazing to hear my colleagues and other alums really have a problem with it. And, you know, this, this aligns with what you just said with the, with the education bubble that is coming without a doubt. And so to see schools like really sort of prestigious academic institutions follow down this path, I think is really exciting and really interesting. Isn't, uh, isn't our boy Harrison Kratz the community manager for that initiative? Yeah. Yeah. I think I may have had a phone call or at least changed emails with him. He's, he's down here in Chapel Hill. Love him. Great guy and has done some guest posting for me on Convince to Convert and done some work with us. Really, really uh, smart young man who is going to uh, make some serious waves in the business world. Uh, Princeton Review uh, wrote a story on a, a study. Uh, I can give you guys the link if you want to put it up in the Please. show notes. And they basically said, uh, you know, 85% of customers expect businesses to be active in social media. 79% of companies are either using or planning to use social media, but only 12% of them are doing so effectively. So yeah, look at that. Social media stat of the week from the guest. It's an all-time first. <laughs> it's an all-time low for me. Yeah, you can, tell, you can tell he does podcasts. He comes with his own stats. It's genius. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the reason will be no shock to listeners of a podcast, but it's, you know, simple lack of basic knowledge and skills. Yep, yep. And it's like, it's, you know, you send a bunch of people off to, you know, South by Southwest who are essentially digitally illiterate. They go and they hear, you know, a bunch of people present about their big wins on stage because the skeletons will remain buried. And they go home with this false sense of security of how and what to do. And more and more, I think, you know, they're sort of allocating resources, not getting the results they had hoped or heard about on stage at South by Southwest. And the takeaway is ultimately social media doesn't work. And that's not in our best interests, right, as people who are sort of, you know, working in this sector. And so I think, you know, the more we can educate everyone outside of our bubble as to how these tools work and what to expect and what's realistic, the better off we're all going to be. Yeah, no question. I think South by Southwest in particular is a difficult place to uh, get your feet wet in social. In fact, I actively try and dissuade my clients from from going if it's one of their first forays because it's it's sort of the 
technology equivalent of, you know, I want to learn how to play football. So let me try and evade Ray Lewis or something. It's just, it's just not, it's not for, um, it's just not an easy way to, uh, to get involved. It's a little much. But Eric, as you said, I think um, certainly, you know, the prospect of taking uh, education online incites as much, uh, you know, excitement from, you know, the tenured professors as um, social media did originally in the marketing space. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and that's not to kind of keep keep talking about the UNC example. It's just the one that I know really well. Um, one of th- this MBA program that's taught online, it's the same professors as the full-time program. So it's Doug Shackelford, Jennifer Conrad, the same sort of prestigious uh, professors that, you know, stand up in front of class and teach are now sitting in front of a webcam teaching students scattered all over the world. And I mean, it's really, really cool. Uh, and, you know, I'm pretty pumped to see how it's going to shake out over the next, you know, 18 months and 18 years. Eric, do you find it difficult as a trainer to, to not have that in the room feedback, to not have that dialogue, that Q and a, uh, that, that, you know, you just miss out on because it's pre-recorded. It's tough. It's definitely tough. But the advantage is um, that all the information is presented in linear fashion. And, you know, when you're in the room and you can sort of read people's intonations and body language, you know, you decide how much time to dwell on a certain topic and when to move on. If you really do the best you can to encapsulate that knowledge in one lecture that's, you know, all the lectures of these courses are two to 12 minutes each. And I did the best I could to try to get the basic techniques, fundamental knowledge, and hands-on training exercises into small, digestible, bite-sized chunks. So while I don't have the body language to go on to help me with timing and, and, and flow, I can you know parse the information in bite-sized chunks. And if I've indexed it appropriately with the right keywords, then it's not the type of linear training experience that one would deliver in person, it becomes more a sort of, you know, a a sort of data mind that you can consult when you have a specific question. You look at like lynda.com. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Lynda, the online training company. That's L-Y-N-D-A, I think, right? And people will tend to subscribe, not so that they can take a course, but so they can have access to the database of knowledge. So, you know, they're in Photoshop today. They're trying to figure out how to do clear backgrounds. They can search clear background. The metadata is there. They find that one lecture. They watch it. I sort of took the same approach to socialmediabootcamp.com, the idea being that people aren't probably going to watch all the different lectures. But if they have access, because once you take the class, you have lifetime access, you'll just go in and query whatever it is you're looking for and get that answer. Very interesting, as opposed to they can't bring you back to their conference room at a later date, uh, but they certainly can can rewind a particular lecture. Is Does the Udemy platform allow you to add that metadata, or is that something that you did inherently in your production? No, that's something that, ha- that you have to do. I mean, that's a manual process, and it, it adds a lot of time to the process of producing these courses. I and mean, I can tell you, I completed production, physical production in the studio, of the courseware in mid-May, and it's been until now, until we've edited it, handled all the post-production, and done all the search engine optimization with respect to metadata. Wow, that's a serious project, and it has to be a little bit 
it's always tough trading in social because you say, hey, this is true, and then so at some point in, down the road, it's no longer true. Yeah, tw- uh, Twitter changes its API. Yeah, yeah. So the, the process anymore. of producing this thing, we went back and actually had to change a lot of things in the process. I mean, you guys were talking about the Twitter API, which, by the way, if you're talking about the Twitter API, you're probably not a candidate for socialmediabootcamp.com. You know, this is for people who aren't quite there yet. But one of the things I used to love in LinkedIn was LinkedIn Signal. And what I loved about LinkedIn Signal was the ability to search tweets by LinkedIn profile information. And of course, you know, Twitter shut off LinkedIn, yep. I think like a month ago, yep. and pretty much rendered you know, LinkedIn Signal useless from that point because people aren't that active in the LinkedIn activity stream. Exactly. Um, and you know, the thought I had when you guys were having that discussion was, you know, the, the, the road to openness is a road of acquiring users. But once you've got the users, you become more and more proprietary, as we've seen with Facebook. I mean, remember Facebook RSS feeds? I mean, you can still hack a feed on a Facebook page and bring it into Google Reader or something like that. But you cannot move the entire contents of your newsfeed out via RSS anymore. Well, you can't and really like even upload said, any content. I mean, everything's iframe now. You can't really even have any resident native content on Facebook. And rightly so, because in order for them to profit, they need to serve advertising in context. Yeah. So I think, you know, once they get the users is when they clamp down. I really think, you know, data liberation and that whole discussion that we were having several years back was a rhetorical discussion designed to sort of numb our senses and get us, you know, more invested. Well, it seems to have worked. That's for sure. <laughs> We're excited about uh, Social Media Bootcamp. Please uh, keep us posted on, on how it's going. I think it's a fantastic idea and, and really quite a, a terrific service. And as you said, social media is, is everybody's responsibility, not just one person or not just somebody in marketing. And, and hopefully this will be the, the uh, springboard necessary to make um, social and digital literacy go end to end in a lot of these big organizations. I hope it's an absolute smash hit for you, and I have no doubt that it will be. Do you have, before we close the show, a social pros shout out for us, Mr. Schwartzman? Well, I do. Uh, but before I give you this, that, I want to thank you, and I want to thank Eric, and I want to congratulate you guys on doing a stellar job on the podcast. I really enjoy it. I get a lot out of it as well. Um, so thank you for that, and also thank you for inviting me to be on this episode. Um, For those podcast listeners who know me from On the Record Online, I've been, I haven't published a podcast since March because all my effort has been going into the online training. Yeah, there's no future in it. Now that the online training is up, I I, I hope to go back out again. And if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to move, you know, I'd be happy to move this MP3 file over my feed as well. Please, would love to. That'd be fantastic. Thank you for offering. Awesome. Okay, so here's my shout out. And chances are, if you're a podcast listener, you know this one already. But this, these are two guys that I think don't get all the credit that they deserve. And those two guys are, that's right, Shell Holtz and Neville Hobson. Now, in addition to having the 4 Immediate Release podcast at 4immediaterelease.biz, which is a terrific podcast, they also both have personal blogs. And, you know, if you read their personal blogs, a lot of what they share on the podcast is, uh, you know, developed on, on their personal blogs. So uh, NevilleHobson.com, Holtz.com, that's where you can get their blogs. And I have a huge debt of gratitude to them uh, because, um, you know, when I have the time to listen to their show, I'm always uh, happy that I did. 
Well said. That's a, a terrific Social Pro shout out. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned those guys. They've actually been very, very kind to us uh, and, and mentioned our show quite a bit on on their air. And, and uh, we have a debt of gratitude to to them as well. So thanks very much uh, to, to Shell and Neville. Excellent, excellent shout out. Well done. And thank you for being on the show. You were great as expected. Uh, looking forward to further misadventures with you. Mr. Boggs, who do we have on the show next week? Um, I actually just tweeted any suggestions or volunteers for social pros number 31. What? We don't have anybody on the show next week. That can't be uh, true. Uh, you're going to be on a plane. I'm in charge of hosting and I have not done my homework to shake down. anybody. Oh, that's right. It's your responsibility next week. See, <laughs> excellent. Yeah. yeah so excellent. we'll see what the Twitter's comes back with. Um, we definitely have a good list of, of folks that, that we know we can spin up. But uh, Jim Cooker will be joining us as guest contributor. Very nice. One of our sponsors from digitalbooklaunch.com. Also, thanks to infusionsoft.com, janrain.com, and, of course, Eric Boggs and the mighty argylesocial.com. Somebody will be doing this next week. It just won't be me. See you then, kids. Bye-bye.